Well, good morning and happy new year, church. And, uh, I walked into a uh, restaurant yesterday. We're on our way traveling back home, stopped in to grab something. And um, I could tell I was in somebody else's hometown where all the regulars show up. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm in there and there's everybody grouped in their tables. And a gentleman, he had to be in his 80s, came walking in with a big noisemaker around his neck and blew it. Happy New Year! And they all shouted back at him. I'm going, small town, got to love it, you know? And um, I did hear one guy tell him to be quiet. Um, Obviously, they were good buddies, right? But it's fun uh, to think about. We've started a new year. All the so-called holidays are behind us now. And so for some of us, it's a little depressing and a little sorrowful because it's like, oh, such a buildup. And then now what? um, But let me remind you that you can still celebrate. Okay, Now, you may have to put away the Christmas tree. Your spouse wants that put away, put it away. But you can still keep celebrating because we are living a very wonderful life. And uh, it doesn't have to be just, oh, it's just, we're just going to talk about it because it was Christmas. No, this wonderful life we've been gifted with, we've been blessed with. Thanks to our Heavenly Father who has given us His Holy Spirit. And uh, we've been looking in Scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 5 at the fruits of the Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in us. And we've talked about many of these things, love, joy, peace, kindness. We've talked about many of them. We still have a few more to go. And we want to continue because, really, these are the attributes of God. And He has infused them into us through the Spirit. And we have these things, and sometimes we just don't realize it. um, But we do. And the one we're hitting on today is sort of timely, maybe because of it being a new year. But it's all about self-control. And some of you may ask, well, what is self-control? I think a lot of us know what self-control is, but just to make sure we're on the same page, let's define it. Because in different translations of the Bible, if you're looking at the scripture, it might say temperance. You think, well, my translation says temperance. This one says self-control. Some may say self-discipline. Temperance, basically, the the Greek word here is, is a combination of two words that were put together to make this one word, which eventually comes out to being self-control, but it denotes power over one's self, or it is the control or restraint of one's passions and desires uh, and appetites. So basically, a person with temperance maintains a life of moderation and control, or self-control, self-discipline. And I think most of us can spot people who have lost their self-control. We can look around. We can tell, especially during this time there, we, we know when somebody has drank too much, ate too much, spent too much, or says too much, right? It's like, man, they need to control themselves. And, you know, you just pick it. You've seen it, right? We can spot it in others. But sometimes we don't want to talk about it if it's involving us. I don't want to talk about my lack of self-control, but I'll talk about that person's lack of self-control because, you know, it's driving me crazy, Right? But we do know this about self-control is if you are lacking it, it will cause problems. The Bible is very clear on that. Let me give you three examples, all from the book of Proverbs. First one is from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. It says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we know this. When we lose control of our mouths and say things, it can hurt people. And here it's like, well, it's like piercing like a sword. Proverbs fourteen seventeen says this, Short 
short-tempered people do foolish things, and schemers are hated. But we also know this, you lose control of your temper, somebody usually gets hurt. One more, Proverbs 16, 32, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than conquer a city. I like that one because a lot of times I'm sitting there thinking I'd love to be an admiral captain, conquer a city, get a pat on the back, maybe some medals of honor or something like that and strut around. But God says, you know what's better than that? Self-control. Really. Why? Because lack of leads to defeat. When a person is controlled by the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit is producing in us a discipline over physical things, over spiritual things. Helps us stay in good health. Helps us be free from sin. And that is something we need, a life that is balanced. So self-control is definitely needed. And you may have taken notice of the comments that I've made over the past few weeks. Well, I was going to preach on self-control, but I wanted to wait till after Thanksgiving and after Christmas because there's things called, I don't know, desserts, Christmas cookies, pie. And I've tried to exert self-control. Matter of fact, I sat down yesterday and as I pulled out a piece of pie, I ate it really slow. That's self-control, right? I know self-control had been leaving the pie in the fridge, but you know, I I do what I got to do. But so I'm trying to think through what is self-control defined in even a little bit easier for us. So it's sort of defined like this. It's choosing to do What is right when you feel like doing what's wrong? Self-control can also maybe be defined as knowing you can, but deciding you won't. Again, these are maybe different ways of defining it, um, but it's knowing, you know what? I don't have a lot of money in my bank account. Therefore, I'm not going to go out and go on a spending spree. Or it's that thing of, you know what, I'm right now, my anger is to a boiling point, but I'm going to control what I'm going to say and keep words from spewing out of my mouth because I know it'd be better not to say anything at all. That's exerting self-control. That's why many of us, we don't want to talk about self-control because we don't want to have to maintain it. We want to just let it go, right? Well, then New Year's rolls around. And here we are, and I don't know if any of you have done this in the past, or maybe you've done it this year. People make New Year's resolutions. It seemed back years ago, this used to be a big thing. I don't know if it's as much anymore, but we're always setting goals throughout the year. But it seems like this is the one time it's like, I want a new start. It's a new year, I want a new start. Whatever it may be, it can include anything uh, such as maybe something physical. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat less sugars. It may involve relationships. means maybe I'm going to be dating the right person. Maybe I'll be more loving. Maybe I'll be more encouraging to others. Or I'll be less demanding or I'll be less selfish in my relationships. Maybe that's the New Year's resolution. Maybe it has to do with uh, choices concerning your body. I'm going to be pure with my decisions. I'm going to be modest in how I dress. It may be involved in sitting and going and doing something you've never done before. Like, I'm going to run a marathon. Or maybe like, marathon? How about a 10K or a 5K? Uh, or for some of you, it's like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to start a garden. It's something I've never done before, so maybe it involves that. Maybe it has something more to do with controlling your tongue, mastering your moods. Maybe it's a healthier lifestyle. It's like, I'm going to 
turn off the TV and not watch the news, or I'm going to manage my money better, or I'm going to try to control my calendar because I'm just way too busy. There's a whole slew of things that you can decide upon right now and say, this is my New Year's resolution. This is what I'm going to do. But do you know what it takes to accomplish that, right? Self-control. Self-control is, in, is basically, I see that goal in front of me now, and I'm going to do what I can to reach that goal. I'm going to progress towards it. Even when I'm not in the mood, even when I really don't feel up to it, that's my goal. And again, it requires self-control. I would love to put it off and just feel some immediate gratification right now, but I know what's the right thing. I need to do it. I need some self-control. Where does that come from? Well, if you've probably heard coaches and motivational speakers, and even right now it may sound like Rex, it comes from within. You got to dig deep, down deep inside and you got to fire up, you know, and it's, that's okay. It's all good. And I applaud coaches and self-motivational speakers and all that kind of thing that say that. But really, where does that self-control come from? Scripture, we know it comes from God. It comes, it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's what is being produced in us. It's a gift from above. We just had Christmas. You may have gotten a gift. You may have gotten more than one gift. I hope you all got at least one gift. But with that one gift that you got, you can just sort of picture it. If, let's say, you receive that gift, and you're like, what's the first thing you do? You look at that person, you say, thank you, right? And then what would be the appropriate thing to do next? Open it up. You know, you really want to make that person happy that, that just gave you that gift? You use it. You try it on. You do something with it, right? It's like you receive it, you use it. But what if you receive the gift, and you don't even say thank you, and you don't even open it up? Or maybe you open up and you look at it and you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you just put it back under the tree. The gift giver would probably be a little disappointed and say, I gave you something. <laughs> you don't even want to use it? You do know that I am probably the ultimate gift giver and I know what you needed and I gave that to you, but you're not even using it. That's God giving us self-control. And he expects us to open it up and use it. But a lot of us are like, thanks for the self-control, but no thanks, I really don't want to use it today. Maybe I'll use it tomorrow. Maybe I'll put it back in a closet and use it next year. Can I return it and get something different? How about two portions of joy? I could use more joy and more peace and less self-control. This is a gift from God. And as Christians, we absolutely need it. Now, I'm going to be going through a lot of scripture today, so I won't be in one place. Follow along if you want. Uh, Open up your Bibles if you want, but I'm at Mark chapter 8. I just want to point out this verse. Because as Christians, initially, we need to know that self-control is a part of who we are. It's our DNA. Jesus is calling people around, and he calls the crowd to join his disciples, and he says this. If any of you wants to be my follower, I want to pause there for a second. Can you imagine walking around watching Jesus? He's healing people. He's healing the sick. He's breaking the bread and fish and multiplying it and feeding you physically. And it's like, man, this guy is awesome to be around. His teaching is incredible. His actions are, are amazing. I, I want to follow him wherever he goes. He goes, you want to be my follower? Absolutely. I want to be your follower. Now, if he were here today and said, any of you want to follow me as he walks out the door, would you follow him? Okay. And we're like, yeah, I'll follow him. Now, listen carefully, though. Any of you want to be my follower? Look what he says next. He goes, you must give up your own way. Oh, <laughs> give up my own way, huh? Yeah, and you got to take up your cross. 
and follow me. So this could be painful, yes. And I got to give up my own way, yes. But I like having control. I, I really like making this. Jesus says, you, no, 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 no. You got to follow me, giving up your way. You got to stop being selfish. And here's the thing, control, I'll, I'll, I'll help you with that. I'll give you some self-control, but your self-control is going to be helping you follow me. Because some of the things that we choose usually don't end up helping us follow Jesus. Give up self. That seems so hard. We've got to do things the way, you know, the, the Jesus way. And it sounds so, I don't know, not fun, boring, right? To be a disciplined person. You're so predictable. I know what you're going to do because you're disciplined. You know, you're, you've got all this self-control, right? But I think we all know in this room that those who are disciplined, those who have self-control are actually more successful. If you want to, we can go to the stats. We can go look through that if we want. Dave Ramsey has this saying. If you're a fan of Financial Peace University or if you ever listen to Dave Ramsey on Financial Matters, he, he, he has this saying and for years, we've, we've, we've done this, and, and I've actually used this a lot in various ways. But he says this. He goes, if you want to live like no one else, you have to live like no one else. Or if you want to be like no one else, you've got to be like no one else. It's almost like you can take his, his, his phrase and reword it if you want. But I've often had to say that to my own sons and my oldest son in graduate school. I remember one time he was studying so hard in his exams, and it's like, man, all I do is study and take tests. And I looked at him and said, if you want to be like nobody else, you've got to be like nobody else. And I've used that phrase often and re- repetitive, but it's, isn't that true? I mean, if you really want to succeed, then you're going to have to have some self-control. You're going to have to have some discipline. And again, to clarify self-control, this is just like all the other fruits of the Spirit, meaning that we're going to struggle with it. Just like my, we struggle with love, we struggle with joy, we struggle with peace. We will struggle with self-control. And we will call out for the help of the Holy Spirit at times and say, Help, please. I've, I need more self-control in this, Lord. And I know it's a gift from you. I need more of it, please. Give it to me. It's, but it's so hard. Isn't it? I want you to think about it, maybe something that you have thought about or tried to accomplish and I have no idea what just happened there. It must be a button that was stuck. But boy, did that take off. Let's see if we get back to it. Yeah, it's like the remote. Go back to the right station, right? Why is this so hard? Again, go back to now your resolutions that you maybe made in the past or maybe you currently made. Why was it so hard to keep that resolution? Why was it so hard to have self-control in these moments? I want to just offer up my, my this is just my opinion, as to why it might be hard to have self-control at times. The first thing I think is why sometimes it's hard is that what you want is not what other people want. What you have issues with, maybe self-control, is not the same for other people. Let me give you an example. Let's say we go to a national park. We're going to go hiking. I'm choosing this trail. You know what? You might choose another trail. We're still at the same place. We're still going to enjoy something, but we just may not be on the same trail. Even then, if we are on the same trail, we're going to walk at a different pace, a different speed, a different stride. I've got long legs, and I like to get where I want to go quickly, okay? And meanwhile, you might have shorter legs, and you might want to stop and pause and look off to the sights on the left and sights on the right and say, this is awesome. If you've got little kids, I'm probably going to take the smooth trail. The kids are going to probably jump on one rock, hop to another rock, and go through the, the bushes maybe, right? See, we're, we're sort of in the same place, and we may be going in the same direction, but we may be moving at a different pace, a different stride, 
a different step. So for me, I can, I can walk into a bakery and I can exert self-control. But the problem is I might have a friend with, my, with me who struggles with walking into a bakery and has to buy something. Here we are, friends walking the same trail. But you know what? We have different issues going on. It may not be an issue for me, but it might be an issue for them. I can walk by a bar, no problem. I don't need to stop. I won't stop. But I have a friend of mine who maybe wants to stop and they have trouble with exerting self-control when they walk by a bar. So it's like, for them, that's a struggle. So when it comes to self-control, we differ. We might be in the same, again, park, same trail, but we move differently. So we've got to be careful, one, not to judge other people on their lack of self-control. But here's the other thing. For this reason, we need to be aware that there are some people who won't see it as important as you. And it may keep you from succeeding. Because I lack self-control in this area, and I'm working at it, maybe this isn't an area for you that matters. And this may not be a temptation for you, but it's a temptation for me. But because I'm hanging out with you, you're like, hey, let's go there. But it's like, I can't go there. Whatever. And they, we go there anyway. Now I'm struggling. we give you an example. Now there's that picture from out west, the Grand Tetons. I think when we were singing that second song, I'm looking at that mountain going, that looks like the Tetons, but it's from the opposite side where the lake is. And it's just beautiful, right? Years ago, we took a team and uh, we were going to go summit the Tetons. So in preparation for this, I was running about three miles a day, five, seven days a week, getting in shape, doing everything I could because I wanted to be, everybody's like, why are you doing that? It's like, because I don't want to be like this on a trail. I want to be like this looking out. So I trained and trained and trained and wanted to make sure I was ready. So we got out there. It was in the middle of July, and we set up our tents in the saddle, which is in between the summits. And there was snow. We had a snowball fight in July, the most incredible thing. The scary thing is where we had our tents, you could hear the water ru- ru- rushing underneath us. So we are like, I think this ice and snow below us, there's actual river. Sort of exciting, right? Well, we got up the next morning to uh, head up the summit, and uh, we got to heights that was just incredible looking out uh, from the summit. But here's the thing. Half of the team lost all energy, lost all their abilities, and just said, we can't go any further. So we had to make a decision. And as the leadership, you know, four or five of us guys were, were talking this through. It's like, what are we going to do here? Either we all go or we don't. Are we, are we a team or are we not a team? And so the decision was made much to, you know, I, I agreed on this and helped lead it. But I was like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I trained for this. And I want a summit. But now we're not going to because not everybody can go. So none of us went to the summit. And so I plopped myself on a rock and just looked out and enjoyed the view. Somebody took a picture and I said, there are probably two things going on in that picture. One is I was loving what I was seeing. Two, I was frustrated because of somebody else's lack of self-control kept me from getting where I wanted to be. That's why I'm saying when it comes to self-control, be aware of those that you keep company with. Because just because you might have self-control in an area, somebody else may not. And they may keep you from succeeding in what you want to do. This goes everywhere, especially spiritually. I can't tell you how many people won't come to church or won't get involved in the Bible study because somebody in their house or some of their friends make fun of them or keep them from doing it. It's like... I'm not going to get, I'm not going to do it. Why? Well, because they don't want me to, or they won't go with me. And next thing you know, the direction that you are going has now been derailed because of 
somebody over here that you've kept company with. I think this is why self-control can be hard. Here's another reason why self-control is hard. We have two battling natures within us. You've probably heard the story before about the old Cherokee grandfather having a conversation with his grandson about two wolves. He said this to his grandson, a fight is going on inside me, he said to his grandson. It's a terrible fight within me, and it's between two wolves. The one is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. That's the one wolf within me. The second wolf within me is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the same fight is going on inside you, grandson. And the same fight is going on in everyone. The grandson thought about it for a minute. Then he looked at his grandfather and he said, which one will win, grandfather? And the old Cherokee chief looked at his grandson and said, the one you feed the most. And I thought about that and I've heard that often, but I'm sitting there going, it's the same with us. Maybe it's not a a wolf inside us or two wolves inside us. It's a sinful nature that resides in us. A sinful nature that lingers, wanting to derail our spiritual journey. It's a sinful nature that is seeking to silence our faith. It's a sinful nature that doesn't realize it's powerless against our victorious Savior. And it lingers yet within us to wreak havoc. Which one are you going to feed? The sinful nature or the Spirit of God? Now let's remember, if you're in Galatians, go to Galatians chapter 5. We're reading about what the Holy Spirit gives us. What the Holy Spirit produces in us. All these nine characteristics, these attributes of God, right? But let's back it up just a few verses. Look at verse 16 with me in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Here's it sounds like the two wolves, right? The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The forces battle, and therefore, self-control is hard because selfishness is such a vicious enemy within us, isn't it? Third and last thing that came to my mind is why is self-control so hard? Because I think there's more temptations and there's fewer rules. I don't know if you've noticed the possibilities are so many these days. I mean, there's, there's so many options out there. Growing up when I was a kid, there was only so many restaurants, and we only went out like maybe once a week, if that. I mean, that was a special time. And you pop, you had like two different kinds of pop maybe, and, and, and the menu had like three things on it, right? We were at a place this past week, went out of town for a couple of days, and we went into this, this diner, and, and the menu is like, I don't know, six, seven pages, and, and I'm looking them through and I'm thinking, wow, wow. I, if I lived here in this town, I'd probably come here every day because there's so many incredible different choices. So much to choose from, right? And I was thinking more about this and it's like, it's, it's even, and that's just, that's food. Now there's things out there, sinful things out there that have even made it more difficult to have self-control. 
There's something that people will come up to the pulpit and they won't, they won't talk about from the pulpit. We're not going to talk about it because, you know, we know a lot of people deal with it. If, if the percentages are right, the majority of people struggle with this. It's pornography. But nobody talks about it. It used to be if you wanted your, your, your pornography, you'd go to the back of a, um, a movie store and, and you maybe buy the video back there or you get a magazine. Now, it's on everybody's phone. It's, it's not on my phone. It's on your phone. You got Twitter. You got YouTube. You got the internet. You've got it on your phone. You think your four-year-old, your five-year-old hasn't seen it? They probably have. You think kids in our school haven't seen it? They all have seen it. It gets passed on text messages and Dropbox. They're all aware of it. They just hide it from you. Oh, and we hide it from them. But nobody's going to talk about it, but it's killing us. It's an addictive drug that destroys us. And it's so available, and it's, it's, it's amazing because it's the choices out there to find it are limitless. Back in the day, it was that way. But I look at this. Why is self-control so hard? Because there's so many more possibilities today and so fewer rules. There doesn't seem to be much repercussion if you make the wrong choice. But in the end, self-control is necessary to succeed. These are, these are all these reasons why it's so hard, right? So what do we do about this? Well, here's the first thing I'm going to challenge you with. Okay, First of all, I don't want to use maybe the word embrace, but I'm going to say admit. Just like all the other challenges that came the other way that we struggle with, admit the dissatisfaction. Admit the failure of exhibiting self-control as often as you desire. Just, just admit it, please. You know, because sometimes you're like, oh, I'm really good at this. It's like, no, you're not. And it's okay to admit that. I mean, one of the, we often say one of the best ways to overcome something is first you have to admit that you get a weakness. Then you can work on it, right? Philippians chapter 3. I love what Paul says here. Look what he starts off by saying this. He goes, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Eventually, how he starts this. Guys, I'm going to admit right now, I have not achieved it. Or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. Look at verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Thanks, for Paul, for admitting your failure. He goes on to say, though, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Here's the thing. If Paul was dissatisfied, I feel like I'm in pretty good company right now. You know what I'm saying? Here's one of the greatest writers, theologians, that admits, I've not achieved perfection. I, I struggle. Dissatisfied with, with my, my, my goal here. But I am... Looking forward. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to look forward. And for me, I sit there and say, Paul, thank you. Because I need to admit at times I struggle with self-control. I'm right there in your boat with you, Paul. So what do I, what do, I do next? You know what Paul says next? He says, you need to train. So let me, let me give you this. First Timothy 4, 7. And you've probably heard the scripture from me before because it's one of my favorites. First Timothy uh, 4, 7 says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas, old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Four or five, if you want. Powerful words there. Train yourself to be godly. The word train there, the Greek word is gymnazo. That's where we derive our word gymnasium. Back in Paul's day, if you're a professional athlete, there's only three sports for professional athletes. Boxing, procreation, uh, and uh, wrestling. Now, all three of those sports 
um, as professionals, you trained hard because if you lost, you died. Okay? Makes it pretty simple. Okay? If uh, a lot of your schools have pictures of, of the wall of fame, you know, famous athletes from your school, they've succeeded. Uh, if, if that was back in Paul's days, guys would be missing eyeballs, missing ears, missing a nose, broken nose, deformed faces, and then maybe burial plots. Um, because the guys that actually, not burial plots, the guys that survived were probably a little messed up. The guys that lost were buried. So, this is a very powerful word that Paul's using here because when they trained, if it was hot weather, they trained in really hot weather, hotter than normal weather, so that they were ready for the competition. If I knew I was going to get beat up and punched a lot, I was going to be trained by somebody who would beat me and punch me, preparing me for what I was going to do. I needed to train with everything I had. And Paul says, spiritually speaking, you need to train. You need to exert yourself. And rather than looking for the easy way out, because that's what lack of self-control is. Lack of self-control is basically saying, I want the easy way out. If I have self-control, it means I've got to be disciplined. I've got to do this. Okay? Lack of self-control means I'm going to be undisciplined. I'm not going to do this. It's the easy way out. Paul says, there is no easy way out spiritually. You've got to train. You've got to exert yourself. Don't run from the challenges that are before you, hoping that you're going to find an easier route. Oh, there's got to be a shortcut. There's no shortcut to success here, spiritually speaking. Our commitment to spiritual development has to be intense at times. I, I think for, for those who've been a part of Every Man a Warrior, that's intense. It really is. I mean, and, and for some people and other, maybe other religions and other faiths look at <clears throat> Every Man a Warrior and say, that's not intense at all. We do, we do even more. Let me give you another point. And these two are going to put together. <clears throat> Start small, one behavior at a time. What is, what is your goal? Everybody think your goal right now. What is that goal? Now, what's your first step to that goal? Because you've got to start small. And I put the two together up there on the screen. Is this, excuse me, start small and then don't give up. I was reading a book <clears throat> called Make Your Bed by Admiral William H. McRaven, U.S. Navy retired. <clears throat> in his book, he had basically gave a commencement speech at the University of Texas, and it soon turned into a number one bestseller book. And I'd heard about it, and I thought, oh, I want to read this. It was very interesting because he said, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. Start small, right? This will give you a small sense of pride. It will encourage you to do another task. And then another task, and then another task. By the end of the day, you will have completed uh, what would turn into many small tasks, accomplishing much more. From his book, he had an interesting thing about what he was pursuing, and it goes to the fourth point here when it comes to self control, and that is don't give up. Because I think a lot of times we, we lose control and it's like, I'm just done. Oh, I blew it on the first day. I had more Christmas cookies than I should have, so I might as well just stop. Right? That's usually what happens. So he's saying, get back up, try it again. From his book, <clears throat> excuse me, it says this. I stood at attention along with the other 150 students, 150 students, beginning the first day of SEAL training. The instructor, dressed in combat boots, khaki shorts, and a blue and gold T-shirt, walked across the large asphalt courtyard to a brass bell hanging in full view of the trainees. Gentlemen, he said, 
Today is the first day of SEAL training. For the next six months, you will undergo the toughest course of instruction in the United States military. I glanced around and could see some looks at apprehension on the faces of my fellow students. The instructor continued, you will be tested like no time in your life. Pausing, he looked around, the class of new tadpoles, as they called them. Most of you will not make it through. I will see to that. He smiled and he said, I will do everything in my power to make you quit. And he emphasized those last three words. I will harass you unmercifully. I will embarrass you in front of your teammates. I will push you beyond your limits. Then with a slight grin across his face, and there will be pain. Lots and lots of pain. Grabbing the bell, he pulled the rope hard, and a loud clanging noise echoed across the courtyard. But if you don't like the pain, if you don't like the harassment, then there's an easy way out. He pulled the rope again, and another wave of deep metallic sound reverberated off the buildings. All you have to do to quit is ring the bell three times. He let go of the rope tied to the bell's clapper. Ring the bell and you won't have to get up early. Ring the bell and you won't have to do the long runs, the cold swims, or the obstacle course. Ring the bell and you can avoid all the pain. Then the instructor glanced down at the asphalt and seemed to break from his prepared monologue. But let me tell you something, he said. If you quit, you'll regret it the rest of your life. Quitting never makes anything easier. Six months later, there were only 33 of us graduating. Some had taken the easy way out. They quit, and my guess is the instructor was right. They would regret it for the rest of their lives. Of all the lessons I learned in SEAL training, this was the most important. Never quit. It doesn't sound particularly profound, but life constantly puts you in situations where quitting seems so much easier than continuing on where the odds are so stacked against you that giving up seems the rational thing to do. And as I read that, I felt that way. Sometimes when we lose self-control, we just say, I might as well just quit. How many times have I seen people stop coming to church because they failed to something spiritual in their life and they said, why even try? I'm not even going to go to church. I'm not even going to go to that Bible study anymore. I'm not even going to give any more effort in in my marital relationship or in this or that. And so we just quit. When you lose self-control, admit it. Confess it to God and ask the Lord. That's a gift from you, self-control, and I want to use it. Let me start small. Get back up and go at it again. Worship team, would you come forward, please? The book of Hebrews, the author tells us, And we've been singing all morning about this, about the name Jesus. He says we are to put our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That is our goal. And sometimes I think when it comes to self-control, we need to have that goal in mind, not just eat better or exercise more or spend less, whatever it might be. In the end, it needs to be Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. My eyes should be on him. As I was reading through the Bible, I came across 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I couldn't help but see in this letter an example of how to live with self-control. So I want to close in reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 and 12. And just listen to the richness of Paul's message here. And you'll hear how the Holy Spirit is weaved through this with self-control. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus 
to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember that we were taught by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's will for you is for you to be holy so you can stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins sins as we have solemnly warned you before. Listen to this. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God and the Holy Spirit he gives to you. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. I love this. Paul's like saying, listen, you've heard the teachings of our Heavenly Father. You know we're supposed to love one another. Great job. You are loving each other. Keep it up. Don't stop loving each other. Now, here's where I see in these next few verses, he's like, through the help of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to do this, church. He says this, make it your goal to live a quiet life. Mind your own business. Work with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you may not need to depend on others. As I'm reading this, I'm, li- I'm thinking, live in a way that pleases God, stay away from sexual sin, love each other, live a quiet life, mind your own business, work hard. That sounds like a life with self-control. You got this, church. Because His Spirit is in you. His Spirit is in you. You can have that self-control. You, you already got it. So when that sinful nature in you starts battling, feed the Spirit. Let it win out. Would you stand, please? Self-control. God's gift to you. His Spirit equips you. His Spirit empowers you to do the right thing. So stay on moving in that goal towards that you are heading. Do not give up. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for a new year. Lord, I know with the new year, sometimes we have things that we want to do in our life, new decisions, new choices, new relationships, whatever it may be. We're like, I want to change this. I want to to do things differently. God, through the help of your spirit, we can. But God, I pray those things, those choices, those goals that we made are godly choices that honor you. And in doing so, Lord, give us the strength to have the self-control, to say yes to what we need to say yes to, and to say no to things that we need to say no to. Give us the strength to do it. Give us the encouragement to do it. And Lord, help us to surround each other with brothers and sisters who will cheer us on and encourage us. Help us to keep good company, Lord. And Lord, we do this not so that we can receive some kind of crown and some kind of award. We do this because we know it honors you. We want to have a God. We want to live a godly life. We want to pursue you. 
because we know that every day as a Christian, we become more and more like you. So God, in our pursuit, help us to press on. Help us to not give up. We love you, Lord. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you.